Happy Saturday. We made it to the weekend. And welcome in to another edition of the Sports Kiki Podcast. My name is Alex Streamer. We come at you every Saturday. Proud to be part of the Outsports and SB Nation Podcast Network. You can find the show wherever podcasts can be found. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. Just remember... As we mention every week, subscribe and download to the show. Two very important things. Uh, thank you for making us part of your routine during these just uncertain and awful times. Uh, much appreciated. I think community, as corny as it sounds, is more important now than ever. And we try to build that community whenever we can at Out Sports. This past Monday night, we had a Zoom chat that mostly went well until a couple a holes got in there and speaking of a-holes I have a thing about a-holes to say in a few moments and and no it's not the innuendo get your head out of the gutter uh one a-hole in particular back in my life who I did not think would be back um but we have a uh action-packed show for you today I think an important show uh a topical show uh coming up in a few you'll hear my conversation with Detroit sports writer Tony Paul who came out a few years ago, but that's not why he's on today. Uh, Tony has been covering the hell out of this Jeremy Jacobs story, which I've been writing about uh, as well at Forbes, one of my other uh, one of my other gigs here. Um, basically, Jeremy Jacobs is the owner of the Boston Bruins. He's the owner of the TD Garden in Boston, which the Bruins play in, the Celtics lease space from him. He's also the owner and operator, the Jacobs family, of the food services conglomerate Delaware North. Many people don't know it, but the sports teams themselves do not control the concessions at stadiums. Those are third-party companies, and Delaware North is one of the big, big companies, and that's owned and operated by Jeremy Jacobs and his family. Estimated annual revenue, by the way, is $3.3 billion. I mention that because Jeremy Jacobs, who is the 478th richest person in the world, as of Friday, estimated net worth is $3.1 billion. Uh, He was the last NHL owner, and I think, frankly, the last owner in all of the major male professional sports to come up with any sort of plan to pay his hourly game day employees, who, of course, are losing out on wages while no games are going on. And even that proposal has a catch. Those employees only get paid if and when the six remaining home games are officially canceled. So think of that. I mean, these are hourly Game day employees, they need the money now, and Jeremy Jacobs, being altruistic, is not going to pay them until the games are officially called off or played, which might not be until we get deep into the summer. So so these poor people could go another one, two, three, four, five months even without pay. I mean, that is just totally grotesque, and that's the positive news coming out of the Jacobs empire this week. That's the good news. That's the altruistic news. Uh, The bad news is uh, Delaware North, and I mean, that's bad news too, but the really bad news is Delaware North announced this week it's placing most of its full-time workers on temporary leave. Uh, The other are receiving indefinite reductions in pay. Uh, There also is a lot of uncertainty surrounding TD Garden non-game day employees. Um, I've been corresponding anonymously with one of them who mentioned to me that he is a hourly employee who works at the TD Garden. 
Um, he does not work game nights, though. He works during the day. I mean, the Garden is a huge venue, lots of people involved to keep that up and running throughout the day. They don't just host Celtics and Bruins games. They host concerts, professional wrestling, Cirque du Soleil, all sorts of events. If it's in Boston, chances are it's stopping by the Garden. And I had one hourly employee send me just this absolutely harrowing message uh, this week over email. It's just so sickening and just makes your gut your gut turn and it makes you seethe uh this is what he wrote to me on friday i i would love to do a more extended piece on this somewhere uh this is what he wrote uh just touching base and we've been corresponding since this past monday so five six days just touching base i still have not heard from the bruins in delaware north about any sort of compensation To make matters worse, after filing for unemployment benefits, I found out I'm not eligible for them. And I'll stop reading verbatim here, but he says that he did not make enough income, produce enough income last year, I guess, to even qualify for unemployment in Massachusetts, which is just beyond enraging. The point of government assistance should be to help out those who need assistance, especially in dire times like these. And you're to tell me there is a threshold, there is an income floor for unemployment benefits in Massachusetts, you know, one of these supposed progressive states. If it's like this in Mass, what's it like in Alabama, Texas, Arkansas? Are you kidding me? This country sucks sometimes. It really does. It sucks sometimes and these kinds of actions what jeremy jacobs is doing a huge reason why um and in addition as well delaware north not helping out any of its concession workers in stadiums across the country and that's where tony paul comes in he's been covering really that end of the story extensively uh so we talk about that coming up a a, a just oh it's just enraging it it's good to vent with somebody else though i will say that after writing about it venting to myself about it, tweeting about it the last couple weeks. It's good to be able to vent with somebody else. So a nice venting sesh with Tony Paul of the Detroit News coming up momentarily. But first, I just want to say a message to all the people who sent me lovely comments this week about my vanity column on OutSports. I wrote a column this week basically about how after the coronavirus crisis and all of this social distancing, this isolation, I am deciding to disregard my vanity. I think I know what's important to life. I've never made a decision based on money. It's evidence the fact I'm a freelance journalist. <laughs> I'm not into that stuff. Nice cars, nice houses, not a turn on for me. Don't worry, bragging about it, actually a turn off. I like to think I'm above the fray, but I'm really not. I'm getting expensive haircuts. I'm joining boutique gyms. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. I'm sipping $12 cocktails, pretending I have money. No more. No more, though. After this kind of crisis, as we talked about last week with Anthony Nicodemo, uh, I think you, 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 you aren't human if this does not produce some everlasting change in you and how you act. So I am pledging to disregard my vanity Stop sweating the small stuff when this crisis is over. So I wrote that column this week. I tweeted it out. And oh, my old friend Kurt Schilling had some comments to make about it. Kurt Schilling did not like it. He quote tweeted it, put me down. And then I had all of his idiotic uh, (laughs) 
mouth-breathing followers tweeting me all week. Ah, the, you're so, you say you're not vain, but look, you're vain for writing this. Ah, get out of here. Well, I got news for you fellas. This article was not for you. Not for you. Not for Kurt Schilling and not for you. Nothing I write is for you. So there is that. Get out. I, I thought I was done with these people, but they can't quit me. They love me. Mwah. Kisses. Uh, okay. Tony Paul also, by the way, has been blocked by Kurt Schilling on Twitter. At this point, I wish I was blocked again. Can I please get blocked again so he's just out of my life? Enough. Tony Paul has that story, too, from the Detroit News. Uh, that's coming up next. Thank you, as always, for listening. And welcome back to the Sports Kiki podcast. Uh, on the phone now, very excited to speak with somebody who uh, who we've uh, communicated with online for uh, for quite a bit now, but I uh, finally get to speak uh, on the phone here. Tony Paul is an out sports writer for the Detroit News. Tony, welcome uh, to the Sports Kiki. How are you holding up? Doing well. I think you should change the name of the podcast to uh, interviews with people who've also been blocked by Kurt Schilling. So, okay, please tell me your that. story. Because I've, I've, <laughs> I've been unblocked by Schilling, and actually, wow. he has, yes, he actually called me a dick on Twitter the other day, so it's nice to be unblocked. Uh, please yeah. tell me your experience. <laughs> you know, I, I, it's, it's actually been so long. I'm not, I'm not sure what triggered it. I'm sure it was something that he said and something that I said. And, you know, I mean, uh, it was probably like four or five years ago, so it's been a while. But, uh, yeah, I remain blocked, and I'm okay with that. So you have, you have no inkling what what prompted the block? Uh, it was probably I don't know maybe it was the I don't know maybe it was the trans thing or I mm. can't even remember what it was. I mean, there's so many I don't even remember. No, my fa- doesn't occupy too much of my uh, too much of my thought process these days, so I can't quite recall. Probably for the better. One of my favorite interactions with Schilling, and there were a couple at my. Uh, old place, WEI, where I worked, uh, one time on the air, he told me that he hopes one day my wife has big balls because I certainly yeah. don't have any. And I said, Kurt, don't worry, that will happen. <laughs> I don't know what to yeah, tell you. Quite, but... yeah. For as much as he talks, he's not very observant. So <laughs> No, he's not. You know, I don't know why I'm unblocked now. I kind of want to be blocked again, to be honest with you. I wonder if I can... Get some sort of petition going. Um, quite a privilege. I should check. Maybe he's unblocked everybody. Who knows? I should check. I guess I haven't checked in a while. Yeah, I don't know. It's not. It's it's not worth your time. Probably it's not worth your time. Um, what's always amazing to me about being blocked, like like Ben Roethlisberger, I think, has pretty much blocked everybody who ever has created a Twitter account. And my question with that stuff always is like. <laughs> You know, Kurt Schilling blocked me years ago. But, I mean, not that I'm anybody now, but certainly was nobody when I was like a 23-year-old post-grad when he blocked me. So that's always amazing to me how they just get about to it. Maybe, I don't know, happy trigger figure? I don't know. Yeah, uh, I, I think it's – I always think it's quite ironic when, when people are so outspoken and have such wild, crazy viewpoints, and then when challenged, they can't handle the heat and just no. automatically re- resort to blocking. I mean, I mean, I block occasionally on Twitter, but it's usually just when the – dialogue gets personal and nasty and rarely other than that i won't do it i mean i'm willing to have a debate but you know i just don't understand if you're willing to go out there with your views and your loud spoken ideas and then not handle any pushback i I don't understand that you know what it is tony they're snowflakes that's what it is well yes exactly i think that's exactly what it is (laughs) so uh you and i this week have both written uh, extensively about uh, the situation that's going on with Jeremy Jacobs and Delaware North, and uh, basically here in Boston, of course, Jacobs owns the Bruins. Uh, Delaware right. North operates a TD Garden, and it's just been a total 
bleep storm for two weeks. Even the attorney general here calling him out uh, did not change their behavior. Jacobs was the last NHL owner to announce any sort of plan to compensate yeah. game day employees who are missing out on pay. And even that falls short because that only happens if the games are canceled. Delaware North announced the other day they were laying off uh, the vast majority of their staff and reducing the pay of others. What is the situation in Detroit? Because Delaware North, of course, is a massive company that operates uh, concession venues uh, across the country, right? Just, just tell the people what's going on uh, with Delaware North nationally. Yeah. Um... A lot of people don't understand that. Uh, it's kind of an inside business type thing. Like if you're not involved in the business, a lot of people don't understand how it works. Uh, the only reason I know um, is just because I have like three or four really good friends who work in the suites at Little Caesars Arena, so they're paid by Delaware North. So that's the only reason I even knew of this. Um, but most people just assume, you know, the team, you know, the, the team sells hot dogs and the beers, and, and that's usually just not how it works. Um, and so when you hear, you know, originally we heard, you know, the Illiches came out with a million dollar um, fund to you know, for game day employees, for Little Caesars Arena, as well as the Fox Theater, which they own, uh, which has also had a bunch of cancellations. And then the Pistons came out saying, we're going to pay game day employees. And everyone's like, oh, that's great. That's fantastic. The problem was, of course, that that doesn't include the uh, huge number of people in the food and beverage industry that are employed by Delaware North. And so that's when I started kind of writing about it and kind of started reaching out. You know, the original story with the Illiches, you know, I'm sure they wanted it to be this, hey, look at us, we're doing this great thing. And look, right. million dollars for their employees, that's great. You know, I'm not, not sneezing at that. I mean, I don't care if you're a billionaire. It's still, you know, they were one of the first to do it. So it's fine. But they didn't probably care for my original story, which was, yes, there's a million dollars, but these people aren't covered. So then um, I reached out to Delaware North for three straight days. No comment, no response, nothing. Same. Which Crazy. Didn't, yeah, it didn't really surprise me. Then, about four days after the Illiches announced their original grant, um, my uh, a good friend of mine called me and said, hey, we just got notified by our union to file for unemployment. We're not going to get a dime. I said, okay. So I didn't have that confirmed yet, um, but I had heard it from two employees. So I felt comfortable enough to go on Twitter and just say, hey, remember that million-dollar illage fund? Well, it doesn't include Delaware North people, and I'm told the Delaware North people are being told to go file for unemployment. Well, then, by the grace of God, an hour later, I get a phone call from Delaware North, <laughs> which had been, you know, finally returned a call because that tweet went out, and a lot of people picked up on it in Boston of course, and started reaching out to Delaware North, and they were getting, of course, hammered. And so they finally reached out, and, and the spokesperson told me, look, we haven't made a decision. There's been nothing yet. And, you know, this isn't true. And I'm, where did you get this information from? And I'm like, yeah, well, I'm not going to tell you where I got the information from. But, you know, I've been told by people that work for you. And uh, so anyway, this went on for a good good a week of, of back and forth daily text with this spokesperson we're, we're close to coming up with something we're going to have something to say blah 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 and this just got strung along for a week well during that week then the tigers also owned by the illiches came out with another million dollar fund for people at comerica park yet again did not include delaware north wrote another story explaining this and then finally after eight days probably of talking back and forth with the spokesperson who insisted something was coming and they're going to try something and blah 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 then I get all of a sudden this press release dropped in my lap saying, yeah, we're not doing anything for them. And we're also laying off a good portion of our full-time staff and we're billionaires and we don't know if we can do anything. So yeah, we're not going to do anything. So that's kind of how the story ended. 
And, uh, I, you know, my buddy here has just, uh, just filed his unemployment claim, as uh, many of them are doing across the country. And, uh, you, know, that's where, you know, that's where you go. And, uh, you know, look, I don't pretend to know the inside outs of the, of the Jacobs business. I do sure. know that they're worth over $3 billion. I'm sure that's not all in cash. I'm sure paying 55,000 employees is a daunting proposition when you have no money coming in because their whole industry is tied to concert and um, and sports stadiums, essentially. Right. And there's nothing there. So I don't pretend to know their inner bank sheet. Uh, I just know that when you string people along for a week and a half, hinting that something might be coming down and they might help in some way, and then you are the last team in the NHL, probably the last in of the pro sports, sports era, yeah. even up and running, uh, the last team to offer anything for your employees, and then come out three days later and basically say you're laying off a bunch of your TD Garden employees. Uh, not a good look. No, I love that in the press release that you mentioned that Delaware North sent out this week in which they talked about uh, laying off most of it, or, I'm sorry, placing most of its full-time workers on temporary leave, uh, reducing the pay for others. They said that great attention was given to make sure full-time yeah. employees placed on leave, leave receive eight weeks of benefits, one week of pay. It goes, oh, one, great, a company. One week, one week of pay. <laughs> I know. Great, great attention was given to that, though, Tony. And look, yeah. you're right. I mean, ultimately, we don't know the spreadsheets. I'm sure, as you said, it is daunting. You can't just snap your fingers and come up with a plan, maybe. But I don't know. I mean, Mark Cuban was able to announce the minute the NBA suspended its yeah. season that he will take care of all arena employees. Jeremy Jacobs is the 478th richest person in the world. The GoFundMe yeah. for TD Garden yeah. employees that they're starting is two, is 250k is what they're asking for. That is, I did the math, point zero 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 seven percent of Jeremy Jacobs' yeah. estimated net worth. I mean, it just it boggles the mind that public shaming has, did not work here with this one guy. It worked with the Devils. It worked with the Sixers. But Je yeah. they've stuck it through it. The, it worked with everybody. And and you mentioned Mark Cuban. And, you know, I wonder what would have happened if Cuban didn't come out when he did because I think he started the movement. And uh, um, a lot of owners jumped on board right when he did. But uh, my friend who works at Delaware North here, he uh, he also did a little math and gave it to me on a little index card, which I don't have in front of me, but he gave it to me for this specific interview. But um, he pointed out that, you know, just based off cash, if, if the Jacob, they say they have 55,000 employees. If they were to pay their 55,000 employees $500 a week for the for eight weeks, uh, which would be less than some are used to taking in and about the same as what, you know, a lot of others are, are used to taking in. So he just figured he settled on the $500 a week for right. eight weeks that Jeremy Jacobs would still have about $2.8 billion left um, to his net worth. So, <laughs> uh, and again, you know, that's, it's fun to do the math, you know, and I've been told by people in business industries, you know, that are, you know, for fortune 500, you know, big companies, look, not everything's available in cash. You know, your net worth doesn't necessarily mean you could just snap your fingers and pay everybody. You know, I get yeah. that. Um, but to, um, you know, to, these people make you know the Jacobs a lot of money. I mean, every twelve, thirteen dollar beer you've ever bought in an arena. I mean, think of you can imagine the percentage of that is going right into the Jacobs pockets. Um, and uh, to to come out with this, and not even just to come out with this, but to come out with it two weeks after people are scrambling and they're wondering what's going on, they're hearing nothing. Um, you know, you know the unemployment in Michigan, as it is all over the country, is skyrocketing. But so many of these companies came out right away and said, look, we're going to help or look, we can't help. 
you know, they at least didn't string them along. They let them know what was the situation and they could move forward with their planning. The fact that this went on for two weeks with no, no word from Delaware North, even when they called me um, at finally after I put out that tweet, and I said, look, if you say that nothing's been decided, then give me a statement. Tell me something. And they wouldn't even give me a statement in, in, to that extent. Uh, just to let people string, you know, string along for this long. And then, and then the final result is, you know, basically the 90% of your employees who are basically part-time or hourly are, are getting nothing. And your full-time staff is, is going to get some benefits and then one-week pay. Um, you know, just, it's just an awful look. And uh, by the way, um, the person I was dealing with at Delaware North, uh, unfortunately, it was also one of the people that was laid off. So, oh. um, you know, so it's just that, you know, it just the, the whole situation, just, you know, the, the stringing along really didn't sit yeah. well with me. These people have, these people have to figure out what they're going to do. They got to get on the phone with unemployment, get in line basically, um, you know, to, to collect anything. So uh, I think that was more of a bad look. And then, you know, to come out, you know, with your statement saying we're doing basically nothing is, is just crazy insult injury. Right. And a couple more points on that. I mean, so I've been in communication with a couple of garden employees who brought the point to me that, you know, for many of them, you know, these are part time jobs anyway. So they don't qualify for unemployment because they still make right. and they still have their other jobs. They're just losing this money anyway. So they can't apply for unemployment. And also, you know, I do think there is a special responsibility that owners have to give back to the communities that have stuffed their coffers. I mean, Jeremy Jacobs purchased oh the God. Bruins. For $10 million, right, in 1975 in the Garden. Now the Bruins are worth a billion dollars. Why? Because of the passion of Bruins fans, the people who work in the building. And to me, that's why it's especially odious here, even above just your typical corporate avarice. Yeah, I mean, it, there is a, you're right. There is a responsibility, not just for community goodwill, but the fact that most of these sports teams have built their billions on the backs of city taxpayers I mean, in Detroit, you know, the city, the city taxpayers fronted the majority of Little Caesars Arena, which is home of the Pistons and the Red Wings, and the majority of Comerica Park. Uh, you know, so I mean, <laughs> these these owners have, have built have built their wealth on that, and uh, and the Illiches understand it. Uh, look, the Illiches have their faults uh, in Detroit, right. no question. I mean, they were they were supposed, to, you know, they got all these taxpayer dollars for Little Caesars Arena, and then we're supposed to build this 50 block district downtown with shops and restaurants and hotels and apartments. And it's basically a little Caesars arena and parking lots and five years later. So, uh, you know, they're, they're no saints necessarily, but uh, I think they recognized right away that they had to do something. And, uh, and they did. Uh, it's, it's unfortunate that, uh, you know, that, that they can't feel like they can, you know, help the Delaware North people, nor, you know, quite frankly, Delaware North multi-billion dollar company, they should be able to take care of their people too. So, um, you know, we'll see what happens. I mean, you're starting to see a lot of sports stars donate money. I think that could be used. That could be used as discretionary funds, and maybe that'll help in some regards. Blake Griffin has donated money in Detroit. I'm sure there'll be more athletes uh, that do, and maybe that'll help. But uh, you know, look, it's all our North's responsibility, and, uh, and and they they dropped the ball. Yeah, and, and and why do you think? I mean, what's amazing again, just about Jeremy Jacobs in particular, is so, he was so publicly shamed. These last two weeks, it wasn't just media. I mean, the Massachusetts Attorney General, Maura Healy, sent out two tweets and do, did interviews lambasting him. Why do you, is it because that ultimately somebody like Jeremy Jacobs knows that, yeah, I'm taking so much bad PR now, but when hockey comes back, I'll be fine. Bruins fans will still go yeah. to games. They'll still watch TV. I mean, is that because ultimately, like, bad PR, okay, once you get through that, 
what are the long-term consequences? I don't think there are any. And maybe that's why someone like Jacobs is just like, eh, like I'll keep my money and you'll come back when hockey returns. Well, I think that that's true to the team point of view. Uh, I think that Bruins fans are going to be Bruins fans. Um, If they're good, the fans are going to be interested. And if they're not, they won't be as interested. I think that's just the nature of sports. I don't think it matters if the owner is a jerk and there's a lot of jerky owners out there or if the owner is a great guy and there's a lot of great owners out there. I think what I will be interested to see, and I don't know, I don't pretend to know the ins and outs of the uh, the hospitality business industry uh, and and, food, and you know food and beverage distribution industry for sports arenas. I do know that Delaware North doesn't have a monopoly on it, and uh, I will be interested to see if there's any pushback at all toward the teams that do contract with Delaware North and see if they reevaluate their options. Um, you know, I've heard a lot of fans out here, you know, already calling for it. You know, who knows if that's an option? I have no idea. But I think it, I think that there, it will be interesting to see. You know, I've heard a lot of people say, well, I'm never going to buy another $12, $13 beer again. Well, that defeats the purpose because that $12, $13 beer that you're buying does pay the employees of Delaware North. So you're hurting them too. So I don't think that that's necessarily the optimal strategy. But I'll be interested to see if any teams decide to say, you know what, we could find another vendor. And uh, I think that's where you could be hurt long term. But we just don't know. Uh, you wrote about this uh, Friday in the Detroit News about uh, what the freelance production people are getting from Fox Sports Detroit, one of the many regional sports networks that right now obviously has no live games and tons of stringers and freelancers work for them. Explain that situation and just that situation on the whole because it's not just happening in your city. It's all over the country where you know it takes so much manpower to put on these live events. And now you know a lot of these networks, I think, have come up with some sort of plan to compensate freelance employees. Yeah, well, that's the thing that's just been so surreal about this whole thing is just the the length um, of the impact. It's just everywhere. And so it's like we can't write enough stories about what industries are impacted because they're all impacted. Uh, but in sports, we try to, you know, delve into, you know, how it affects our people. And uh, Fox Sports Detroit is a, a huge network locally. It broadcasts Tigers, Wings, and Pistons games. Uh, it has for years. Um, and so, uh, you know, a lot of, you know, a lot of these employees, you know, a lot of these employees have been working these games for, you know, 10, 20 years. Um, and, but a lot of people don't understand, you know, they're freelancers, they're contractors. It takes about 25 or more freelancers, um, to put on a typical game broadcast. That includes your production truck, that includes camera operators, that includes, you know, stage managers, whatnot. There's very few like full-time actual employees of Fox Sports Detroit. So, um, you know, we right. reached. I, I heard from a few of them uh, afterward, and um, what I was told. And the interesting situation was another thing people don't understand is that the visiting broadcast is also freelance contractors of local people. Hmm. That's actually um, that's not from Fox Sports Detroit, but actually is provided by the home team. This is the case in a lot of different markets, including Detroit. So basically, the Red Wings. They're the home team at Little Caesars Arena. They're responsible for getting the contractors and the part-time employees for the visiting broadcast. And what that does, of course, you know, it's an industry courtesy. It saves travel. It saves expenses. Um, and so what I had been told was that the Illiches were actually going to pay the visiting freelancers their their checks, but couldn't do the home team because they're not their – responsibility not their employees those are hired by sinclair broadcast group which owns the 21 regional networks all over the country so i got an email from a fox sports person saying look 
you know, these people are being paid because, you know, the technicality that the owner, you know, the home team pays for them. So the yellow just went ahead and did that, which was great. But again, it left a whole other seg- segment of uh, workers kind of out of luck with Fox Sports Detroit. So Sinclair right away basically said, we can't do anything. Here's another, <laughs> another, you know, gazillion dollar company. This, you know, they bought the regional sports networks for what, $10 billion or whatever it was from, from the Disney company. Clearly a, a very big company and uh, basically told their employees that they, they couldn't afford, you know, with not with ad revenue, with losing out on ad revenue because they don't have any games broadcast, they couldn't afford to pay their, their part-time workers. Mm-hmm. Well, they finally came out the other night <laughs> after some bad, you know, they took some heat. I think the Free Press wrote the first story um, about them not getting any money. They took some heat, and then they came out with a, a plan that said, all right, we'll offer up a fund where you can take a $2,500 advance on your uh, paycheck, and you can pay it back in what they call very small amounts once the games get going. So, mm-hmm. look, hey, not perfect, but, you know, it's something. You know, and that yeah. $2,500, I'm sure, for a lot of people will mean a big deal, you know. Right. Uh, and the fact that, you know, Sinclair came out and said, we're willing to let you pay this back, and, you know, we're not going to, you know, ask for it all back your first check. We're going to work with you. I think that's, I think that's good. And, you know, that was good to see. I mean, obviously not a perfect solution, but talking to a couple of the Fox sports people who this will affect, it is a big deal that, you know, it's something that they can use to get by until the games start up again. And who knows when the hell that's going to happen. Yeah. I I guess one of the biggest points I have from this crisis, and we haven't even talked about the economic impact for all the bars, restaurants, and other areas of the hospitality industry that depend on games going on. It's just a, the massive economic reach of all these sports leagues, professional and amateur. And also I think just societally, you know, speaking in terms of a societal argument, just how close to the edge so many of us are. I mean, it's just really unbelievable. I mean, it isn't unbelievable for those of us who follow what's been happening in this country now for decades, but it really is just to just to see it and have it the human. It's not just statistics, you know, it's just we are all so close to the edge. And really, I mean, these unemployment, my biggest shock was I didn't know that freelancers and contractors up until, you know, this bill, when it passes, you know, gets through Congress, uh, you know, weren't even eligible for unemployment, which to me seems crazy because I feel like that our economy is a gig economy. And it seems like our unemployment laws are even decades behind where they should be. It's just amazing how poorly oh, set yeah. up we were for this. No. Well, that's the thing. And I think you make a good point when you talk about how many people, you know, we always heard the statistics about, um, you know, 40, 50 percent of the population wasn't equipped to handle a four hundred dollar unexpected expense. Right. And um, and I and, you know, like lawmakers have heard that, you know, it's been, you know, it's been a talking point in campaigns for years and years and years and years and years. Well, now you're seeing it. And, um, you're, you know, you're realizing that the fact, you know, that, uh, you know, a couple of weeks out of work and a lot of people are, are wondering how they're going to how they're going to do this. And. Uh, and you saw it, you see it with the unemployment numbers. I think it was 3.3 million new claims, which, Crazy. uh, I think that's, that, yeah, that's a, the statistic that came out yesterday, but I'm here to tell you that number is so low, um, because that doesn't count the people that can't get anyone on the phone in the unemployment office. Right. I've been watching, I've been watching two, three, four friends the last two weeks trying to get through to anybody on the phone and they can't. So I know that there are many more people on that list that just haven't gotten through yet. So as staggering as that number is, it's low. It's very low. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, it's um, it's it's crazy. You know, um, we've always been told to have an emergency fund. You know, we're always like, yeah, yeah, whatever. Um, you know, we'll I'll get to it. 
and then we never do or whatever. Uh, my question is, where is the emergency fund for these billion dollar companies? You know, I mean, all of a sudden, you know, they're losing some they're losing some bank and they're the first ones in line asking for bailouts. Wow. So uh, it's just it's kind of ironic in a sick way. Uh, and uh, it doesn't fit well with the American people. And I don't blame them. No. Well, I mean, they might have the money. They just, you know, want to keep the coffers as high as possible. And they don't get it. I think I think that is it, too. And, and you didn't even mention that number doesn't even include, as I said, the gig workers, freelancers, right. contractors right. who right now, like myself, aren't even eligible for unemployment until this uh, yeah. new bill passes. Uh, before you go, Tony, you said you wanted to talk about Troy Ryan. So here we go. Here's here's the kidding. platform. <laughs> no, uh, uh, no. I, I listened. By the way, I listened to the interview. I thought it was fascinating. I didn't know he was a baseball player, uh, whatever. But uh, I thought it was a, a really fascinating interview. You know, for kind yeah. of a taboo topic. You know, I mean, I, I just I you know kind of humanized the industry a little bit. So totally, I enjoyed it. Oh yeah, I mean, who doesn't enjoy talking about porn and the inner workings of porn? Exactly. Come on. Um, right. When did you come out, Tony? <laughs> by the way, uh, professionally. Uh, professionally, uh, well, I've, I've, I mean, I've been out for, since college and all like my coworkers knew and family and everything since college. So that was 2000, 2001. Mm-hmm. Um, publicly I came out the weekend or the, the Sunday after the Supreme court ruling on gay marriage. Okay. Um, whatever that was, I don't know if that was five, six years, yeah. ago, five, six years ago, something like that. Um, but yeah, I, um, I, uh, I I talked to my bosses about doing something um, for months leading up to that, about writing a column or doing something. And they were on board, um, and I had written a couple drafts, and I wasn't happy with them. And then the one I was happy with, they weren't happy with because it got too political for their liking. Um, so we, it never ended up happening. And then the Supreme Court ruling, I think, came down on a Friday. And um, I was supposed to go on and do a sports a local sports TV show on Sunday. And my buddy who hosts the show, um, called me on Friday night. He's like, Hey, look, you know, no pressure, but if you want to talk about this, uh, I'll give you the last five minutes of the show or three minutes or whatever it was. And, uh, I said, all right, let me call you back. And, uh, I thought about it, talked to a couple of people because my whole thing about coming out publicly was I never wanted it to be like, uh, you know, I, it's the same thing that a lot of us go through. It's like, we don't want it to be a look at me type situation. Like I, mm-hmm. I didn't want that. You know, I wanted it to be, make a sense why I was doing it, you know, have a purpose. And uh, this was the, obviously an ideal time, given the, the nature of the, the, you know, the country and the, the Supreme Court ruling was so huge and affected so many of my friends. And uh, so I called him back. I said, sure, I'll do it. And I spent Saturday writing up a little thing and uh, sent it to him and his producer on Saturday night. They both really liked it. And then we went ahead and did it and uh, surprised a lot of people. I didn't even t- tell my actual employer that I was doing it, um, <laughs> which we didn't uh, I didn't think it would sit too well with them. Uh, I got a phone call about five minutes after we went we got off the air because it was live and uh, um, got a phone call from my boss and he's like, oh, it would have been nice to know or maybe you could have done that in our paper, but <laughs> whatever. Uh, but yeah, so I just felt like that was the right time. Uh, didn't tell my family, didn't tell my friends I was doing it. Just yeah, did it. Wow. And, uh, yeah, and uh, went to the ballpark that day to cover a Tiger game and, you know, it was like any other day. Yeah. Do you, do you feel... I mean, obviously, cover day-to-day sports, you know, not LGBTQ issues. But do you feel more liberated now and feel like you can do better work now than previously? Uh, now that you're out and totally honest with your with your readers and audience. Uh, or no? Well, I think uh, I don't think it affects my day-to-day actual writing. Sure. Uh, it's certainly it's certainly impacted my voice on social media and Twitter, and I'm pretty outspoken and. Um, uh, about a lot of issues, which my bosses aren't over, you know, they don't like that, you know, they don't want you to get 
political or all that stuff, but it doesn't really stop me. Um, but it, from that perspective, it definitely gave me um, more freedom to, to, to go after those things. And if I see something that, you know, you know, that I think is wrong in the sports industry related to, to LGBT issues, I'm going to say it. And I've uh, been, I've put pressure on the local teams here, particularly the Tigers to get involved in initiatives, pride nights. Um, they finally have um, after, you know, years of barking at them. Um, and so uh, I feel like from that, from that stance, I've been able to, you know, kind of have my voice heard and, and make some sort of an impact. And, and that's been nice. You can find him on Twitter as well, Tony Paul 1984 for these searing political takes that his bosses do not want. Make sure to support him. Give him a follow. Yeah. Tony, thanks for coming on the show. I enjoyed it. All right, man. Thanks for having me on. Ah, that was a good venting sesh. Told you it's better to vent with company. So, Tony Paul, Detroit News, we thank you for coming on. And just an absolutely, again, just enraging, enraging story. Um, and I don't think a lot of people, as you said at the top, really kind of get the national scope of Jeremy Jacobs' action. It's not just Boston. It affects probably someone at your favorite uh, arena who gave you a, an overpriced beer or an overpriced hot dog or an overpriced hamburger at one time. But as Tony and I said, that's, that's not the fault of the poor concession workers. Again, blame Blame the guys atop for that one. Uh, before we go, I want to remind you, uh, Sid Ziegler, one of our co-founders, his podcast, Five Rings, about the Olympics. Lots of great reaction um, this week about, not great's not the right word, obviously, but lots of introspective and, I think, thought-provoking reaction from uh, many LGBT athletes who found out this week, of course, with the Olympics being postponed. Uh, so lots of content for Sid. And this week on the show, he's interviewing Michael Gunning, uh, the Jamaican swimmer who was in the middle of Olympic training in South Africa when he got the word that the games will be postponed until 2021. Uh, they talked about what the Olympic delay means to him, how he's handling the coronavirus, pandemic, and other topics. So check that out. Five rings. We have great content all the time at Outsports. It's helping you get through these times of isolation. Thank you for listening. We'll be back next Saturday.